Morning, Conduit. How are you? It, uh, I, appreciate, um, I appreciate Eric uh, giving the word so faithfully for us last week. I know if you were here, I'm sure that you were uh, blessed by it. I was getting a little bit of time away out in Colorado and uh, had a good time, was ready and eager to come back. And, well, I, I, I came back, so... <laughs> Uh, Colorado is beautiful, and uh, I really enjoyed my time out there, but certainly uh, missed you and missed my family. And so, uh, again, my appreciation and thankfulness to Eric and the faithful way that he had brought the word um, for you. You know, it uh, was an interesting week coming back and interesting getting uh, reacclimated to everything that was going on here in ministry and in life, and it's always that way. Once you take a little bit of a break from something, getting back into it seems like kind of a jolt, uh, a jolt to the system, seems maybe a little bit un- uncomfortable, uh, maybe some things you don't want to do, maybe some things you question if you do have to do or not. Um, and uh, I, if you would uh, allow me the freedom to speak uh, a little candidly, um, not really, not really a prepared statement, so I might, might come to regret this, right? Uh, but if you would uh, allow me to speak um, candidly to you a little bit about uh, a subject I'm sure you're all wondering about. I know you've been, you, most of you, a good bit of you have asked already, um, hey, what's going to happen next Sunday when, um, when the, the, New York State Governor's mask mandate goes back into back into effect. What's going to happen here at uh, here at Conduit? Um, and uh, I will I will tell you uh, in a few. I'll, I'll give you a few general details as to what's going on with that right now. Now, obviously, I'm not a healthcare official, and you should not take should not take your health advice from me. Okay. Um, I, uh, I think that you should be personally responsible for the way that you m- and manage your health decisions and the health decisions of your family. Um, I, uh, I also think and know that most of you have been, at least in some way, shape, or form, personally affected by someone who has had uh, COVID, maybe in a really extreme way or maybe in a not-so-extreme way. People here at Conduit, our own, our own Vinny, of course, our, our coffee connoisseur, be very, very, very sick um, with COVID. God, um, uh, the blessing is he's, he's recovering well, and Vinny is doing well, and he'll be, he'll be back with us, but exceptionally sick, um, as well as others being exceptionally sick and being very, very vulnerable from things like this. And so... There's also this dynamic of like, okay, well, yeah, we are all are wanting to be personally responsible with our own health decisions. And we also have this understanding that there may be those among us in our family, in our community who are vulnerable to becoming exceptionally sick. And what can you and I do to ensure their well-being and their health and their just their overall ability to continue to join us in worship here on Sundays. Now, I don't profess to have all of the answers about what is right and what is wrong. I don't. I'm. Um, I'm. I'm not going to get into a debate about um, the expanse of government freedom or whether or not you know we should uh, revolt against something that may that you may have a disagreement with or anything like that. 
I'm not gonna, we're not going to get into that conversation. We're not going to get into that bait. We're not going to even touch that topic because for you and I, it makes no difference whatsoever. Uh, what a government official says or doesn't say, what they mandate or don't mandate, what they do or don't do, has no effect on what our mission continues to be in the city of Jamestown and beyond. And that is to work and pray and worship so that every man, woman, and child that we come in contact with knows the love of Jesus Christ, knows the grace of Jesus Christ, extends, has the, knows the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. The main thing for us is always going to be the main thing, and that is Jesus. It's not about, uh, it's not about um, having some banner of governmental freedom. The only freedom that the Bible guarantees you and I is freedom from sin through Jesus Christ. That's it. And in fact, Jesus himself reminded his disciples and actually promised his disciples, you are always going to be at enmity with the world. When you follow me, you're always going to be at enmity with the world. You think, well, okay, well, that, that puts me in a good position to like really fight against everything that I don't like. No, I'm not going to really comment on what you're, you know, you can have whatever political opinion you want. I, you can have whatever health opinion you want, whatever masking opinion you want, whatever vaccination opinion you want. All of that I present to you as a matter of your personal freedom and decision-making, and I welcome you into this community to worship with a variety of people who may have different opinions than you, okay? We do not need to be monolithic in our opinions about contentious issues in order to remain focused on what is the main thing. And the main thing is always Jesus. The main thing is always Jesus. And that will remain the main thing for us, whether or not we highly and strongly encourage you to mask while you're here, which we may or we may not, right? Or whether you decide or not to wear a mask, or whether you decide or not to become vaccinated, or whether you decide or not to continue worshiping in this space, or worship at home for a period of time, you are always welcome in this community, whether you are the only one wearing a mask, or whether you are the only one not wearing a mask, whether you're the only one vaccinated, or whether you are the only one not vaccinated. It makes no difference to me if you desire to meet with Jesus, if you desire to worship Jesus, if you desire to meet with Jesus here as a part of this community, that you are welcomed no matter what other decisions that you are going to make about your health or about your life or whatever. I don't know, I really don't know still what that means for next week. Okay? Um, you know, you know I, I, I always hesitate to, to, to I, I, I always, I, I won't hesitate, I, I don't hesitate, but I, I will tell you, like, from just a, just personally, like, um, I understand, I understand that um, what, what I say from this position here, it carries weight, and so I want to be careful about that, and I need to be measured about that, and I need to understand the complexities of every single decision that I make because, right, you can do whatever you want, right, in the context of this community and have very little consequence outside of here. I cannot, okay? 
Um, those decisions, they, they follow me into other areas of my life that I need to be aware of and that I need to measure. Okay? Because ultimately, I am responsible for what goes on here. If there's, gonna be, if, there's a, if there's a person, right, that's not in heaven right now, where the buck stops, it stops with me. And so I, I will reserve the right to make, um, to make measured decisions that take more than a few days to think about and make. And as well, you know, because I believe that the Scripture speaks strongly about, having, about the wisdom of having many counselors around you, that I will, I will try not to make those decisions in a vacuum where I'm the only person making them or hearing different opinions or positions or um, perspectives because I don't believe that I'm the smartest person in the room ever. And I want to hear what other, um, what other leaders have to say, what other, what other people have to say, and, and what are all of the possible outcomes and implications for the decisions that we make. And so my, my, my commitment to you is to, um, is to not make decisions that are based on just snap judgment or reactions, but rather to think thoughtfully um, about, um, to, to try and do my best to think thoughtfully about the life of 250 people, okay? And, um, and guaranteeing that there is going to be a handful of those 250 people that love the decision and a handful that hate the decision and some that are somewhere in between and, and just understand that, I, that, that that tension is not lost on me. Okay? That reality is not, is not lost on me. And, um, and don't take anything personal because it's not personal. Right? It's, it's not personal. Um, it's, it's probably much more complicated than you even realize it is for me. Okay? Um, so I did want to comment on that because I, I, I know I've got several questions about it. Like, well, what's the decision you know, next week? I don't know what the decision is going to be next week. What I can say is like... Listen, I would highly, highly encourage you to wear a mask. I, I would highly encourage it. Okay? And, um, and if that's a personal decision that you are going to make, then that's, that's a personal decision that you can make. If that's a personal decision that you choose not to make, again, that is a personal decision that you choose not to make. Um, and we'll uh, hopefully be able to have a little bit more clarity for you um, next week as we meet. Okay? So please hold us in, in your in your prayers because I know you think it's a really easy decision and we should just make it. It's not, not, um, and uh, uh, we will ask the Lord for wisdom and we will pray about it and we will make a decision and then we will be unified around that decision. But always understanding that the main thing is going to remain the main thing, whether you wear a garbage bag over your head or not, right? I would love to be able to pray again to move us into a different, um, uh, a different uh, spirit here as we move into God's Word. Okay? Let's bow our heads. Let's uh, focus our thoughts, our attentions, our affections this morning. Heavenly Father, in a world that is so, can sometimes be so confusing, in a world that can uh, oftentimes 
leave us really not knowing what to believe or how to believe it or what the right decision is. Lord, we pray for your wisdom and we pray for your grace. We pray, Lord, that you that you would speak to our hearts and affirm firm into our hearts, Lord, your your pleasure, your love, your grace, your mercy, and your kindness to us. Lord, that you would allow us to remain focused, fixated, and unmovable. Unmovable, Lord, in our worship, in our adoration, in our exaltation of Jesus, who is our Lord. Lord, let us not move from that spot. Lord, would you bless us with your Holy Spirit this morning? Would you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name? Amen. So we have been in this series on fear and um, the various ways that fear can manifest itself in our lives and the various ways that fear manifested itself even in the Christmas story in the Nativity and it, I think that, um, as Eric read last week and I read the week before, we'll be reading again today, and then I'll be reading again next week. There is this, um, there is this constant refrain throughout the Nativity story or throughout, throughout the Christmas story, and that is, that is this. Big scary angel shows up, right? Says a bunch of things about what God is going to do, what God, what, the, what God wants the people to hear. The people get afraid, Right? Either afraid of the implications of the message that is given, which we're going to see today. Right? Or they just get afraid at the, like the, like we're going to see next week with the, with the shepherds. Like all of a sudden they're just guys just minding their business, right? With their sheep. And a whole host of heavenly, like a, like a whole choir of heavenly angels bursts into the sky and begins to start singing, right? And they're expected to just be like, oh yeah, normal day, right? But every time you see something like this, there's this consistent refrain said in some way, shape, or form. Fear not. Do not be afraid. And uh, it's, it's a really, a, I'm, I'm certain and I'm sure, based on what I know of human experience and the human heart, right, that the that the pathway from fear to, to confidence is not nearly as linear as we see it just written in the story, right? Because when someone just says, hey, just don't be afraid, it's like, it's like okay, guys, you have a, you know, you're, you're dating someone, you have a, a spouse, right? And, um, and they get really angry at you. And you just say, hey, why don't you just, have you tried not being angry? Or, or they're like really anxious or worried about something. 
right? And in all the infinite wisdom that you can muster in that moment, you just say, hey, just don't worry about it. Like, oh, yeah. Why didn't I think of just not worrying about it as a as an antidote to my worry, if I would have known that ahead of time, I wouldn't have worried, right? And I kind of think it's the same thing when, um, like when angels tell people in these stories that we've been reading, hey, just don't, hey, do not fear, the Lord is with you. And here's Joseph, this guy, who's going through this, I would say, borderline traumatic experience with his betrothed, his fiance. And the angel's just like, well, don't, just don't be afraid. Just don't be afraid. And I've, I've got to believe that the process from the fear that Joseph felt, and really what it, it was at the baseline, it was fear, but really it was like, a, what, what was it a fear of? Right? It's a fear of shame and a fear of rejection and a fear of being um, cast off to the, to the um, borders of society and life based on a supposed decision that his fiance made but it was fear and it likely took a long time for joseph to 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 travel that road from a fear the fear of everything that he was experiencing to a confidence and this is going to be okay we're going to see well, how is he able to do that what were the what were the circumstances involved there so i'm going to read to you just this brief little portion of the story in matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25. If you've ever heard the Christmas story before, I don't want to assume that you have, but if you've ever heard the Christmas story before, this will be a, a, probably a, a fairly familiar passage for you. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, so we have this story here where Joseph is seemingly, at least, or unwittingly thrust into this situation. And when he found out, or when it was found out, right, it's an interesting little, uh, the, the way it's phrased here, Mary was found to be pregnant with child, like, well, someone found out, right? It, had, it came out in some way, shape, or form, right? Uh, Joseph had a decision to make, and the decision that he made in that moment was, 
he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, why? Why would this be Joseph's decision in this moment? This is a woman he loves, right? This is a woman that he's essentially, in this moment, he's committed his life to. He's committed his, his future family to. He's, he's, he's committed his genealogy to, his, his, his descendants to. Like, he was all in on Mary. They were, they were supposed to be married. They were going to be married. They were, um, uh, they were committed, pledged to one another. Well, I mean, one of the ways you can think, well, why did Joseph make that decision is maybe the obvious one, right? Well, why would Joseph want to divorce her quietly? I think the most obvious situation is, is Joseph knows that he never had slept with, his, with Mary, right? And now she's pregnant. And so there's this, we sometimes try to, we sometimes forget that there's a human experience, a human element going on here, and something like very complex is happening in the interpersonal relationship and dynamics between Mary and Joseph. Now she's pregnant, and Joseph is like, well, um, uh, I, it's not mine. Know that for sure. And so there's those there's those obvious things, right, that we sometimes forget about. But there's also sometimes the not-so-obvious things that are kind of like weaved into the cultural fabric of the culture that Mary and Joseph lived in that day, where, where uh, a pregnancy out of official wedlock, they were pledged to be married, right, but out of official wedlock was a, was a scandal above scandals above scandals, right? And it would have, it would have produced um, a an exceptional amount of shame on not just Mary but on Joseph as well, and not just on Mary and Joseph, but it would have it would have extended to their it would have extended to their families as well. It would have extended far beyond just who they were and who they are personally. So their reputation, their, their future, their, their, their ability to live in the, the, the context of regular community based on what was going on would, have, would, would likely have been completely ruined in this moment. That is just the reality of the culture that, um, that they lived in. And so Joseph, thinking like, okay, well, I have a decision to make. There's all these factors involved. Um, it was like, I, you know, maybe the decision he's make is I, I am going to just divorce her quietly and walk away in order to avoid the large-scale cultural and public rejection and shame and embarrassment of being involved in a situation like this here and now. Now there's a there's a, a reality that it's kind of goes on like sometimes um, sometimes we uh, we don't always or we don't necessarily av- don't necessarily avoid rejection. We'll do our best here. Remain focused, okay? (laughs) 
Why is rejection so powerful? Why is the fear of rejection so powerful, even for Joseph, right? What is so, what is so powerful about um, trying to avoid this fear? Well, we are... What's up? <laughs> um, the reality is, is that you and I, we are, we are built for, and we live in the context of relationship. We, we, we thrive on relationship. We are, uh, we grow in relationship. We are built for relationship. Um, from the from the very beginning of time, when God God created Adam and Eve, the 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 basis for their being too was the necessity for there to be intimate connection between two people, right? And the reality is is that we 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 both thrive in relationship and we are both hurt in relationship, right? And we are hurt in relationship, and there is healing in relationship. We cannot do things independent from relationship and remain healthy. And so when there is this, this, um, this fear or where there is this threat of rejection of relationship, rejection of life, then, thank you, then it can become... Thank you. I can be able to use my hands, though. So what was the decision, then, of Joseph based on the news of Mary's pregnancy? Well, the word says that he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He had made up his mind, then, to get, to get far away from this coming far, firestorm um, and to get away as quietly as he could, right? Like... I can imagine the inner monologue of Joseph. Like, this isn't the vision of my life. This is when, what I had. This isn't what I had imagined. This isn't what I want for the future of my family. And he was expressing or showing his fear in that moment. He had made the decision that he was not going to walk the road of public rejection and public shame. He was going to choose somewhere else. He couldn't, couldn't handle the idea or the notion of being publicly rejected or publicly shamed or put on the outskirts of all society based on the reality of his family. And so he was going to walk away. It's an interesting conversation what, um, what, what we often do in order to avoid fear in order to, to avoid especially the fear of rejection, right? To walk away from someone we have committed our lives to. Usually the things that we do in order to avoid especially the fear of rejection are completely out of character from, for us. 
We do things that are way, way out of character. We, we run and hide, or we run away, or we work ourselves to death in order to avoid the pain of being rejected in this, in this particular situation. Because if you see even the way that the gospel describes Joseph, it seems that the decision to walk away from a woman he has pledged his life to is somewhat out of character. Since Joseph was a righteous man, he was, he was a man of character. He, had, he, was a, he was a man who had a heart of God. But in this moment, he was, let's not mince words, in this moment, he was choosing to abandon his wife. He was choosing a, to abandon a woman that he had committed his life to. And so you can kind of look at Joseph and be like, um, not approve of the decision, Joseph. Like, stick with her. Help her. Support her, however you want to say it. Then everything then pivots. There's a pivot point in the whole in the whole conversation. And that pivot point happens right around verse 20 and 21. And we see that uh, just after he had considered this. So he had he had just considered that he was going to he was just going to divorce her quietly, right? But just after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. We get to see here in the in the dream and the communication from the angel, what was really motivating Joseph's heart to walk away? What was really motivating Joseph's heart to walk away was a deep-seated fear. Because the angel addressed that, like, flat out. Do not be afraid to take her as your wife. The question here is, what in this moment could move Joseph from a spot of um, fear that was motivating him to run and producing shame and rejection and like the, the, the prospect of ridicule in the public square? What was, what was changing him from that to like being, uh, moving him from obedience, from faith, or being steadfast in that moment? I think what we see here is we think that jo- we we see that Joseph's perspective was fully and completely changed, and it probably and likely did not happen like we say in such linear fashion where it was an immediate snap of the fingers and automatically Joseph's mind was completely different. But it was something that happened long uh, over the course of like I'm working in this process of. Um, of, of rejecting even my fear and then walking in obedience and steadfastness. But it was this, it's that there was this assurance that what the world was going to see as shameful, unsavory, unbecoming, was the seed of what would become God's most incredible miracle. That Joseph's perspective was changed in that moment from seeing a circumstance as only being negative to seeing that God had been planting, like that, that there was a redemptive, a large-scale redemptive purpose in what the world would say is like, Ugh, 
avoidable to what God was going to do through what was happening. Right? Because the world would only see it one way. There was only one way in which the world was going to see the situation of Mary being pregnant out of wedlock. And what the angel came to say is that, hey, look, like, no, God has a different perspective on what is happening here in this moment. Joseph's perspective changed when he, he was shifted from seeing his circumstances through the eyes only of fear of rejection and then seeing them through what his place was in God's story of redemption. He was willing to see in that moment what was happening. God was redirecting Joseph's life. And when Joseph let his mind be transformed to make that his only reality, then no rejection of man made a difference. Because Joseph was no longer only concerned with the renown, with the praise of men, with the way that it looked in the public square. But now now Joseph was only concerned about what it meant for him to be a part of God's redemptive story in in the place that he was in. Now there are all kinds of different places where this is true for you and I as well, where we, where we live in kind of a constant fear of rejection. And that constant fear of rejection leads us to do things that are really outside of character. Uh, maybe you, like, you can live outside, or you, you're living in fear. Um, you could be living in fear of rejection in like intimate relationships, like intimate friendships. You've been burned by friends in the past, right? Been been burned in areas where like you were all in on a friendship and something happened and all of a sudden like completely it's been completely wiped out. Or you've been burned in the context of your like vulnerability with a spouse or a loved one. You've been you're you're afraid of the rejection that comes from maybe testifying to your faith in Jesus Christ to someone that you work with or someone that lives next door to you or whatever. And this, and this rejection or this fear that you're constantly fearing in all of these areas of your life is like a, it's, it's an invisible blockade from you being able to experience the plan of God for redemption in what comes from that place what comes from that situation, because that was God's plan here. He told Joseph, and it was, the, it was the defining and pivoting moment for Joseph, for him to realize that what, what, what I was afraid of and what the world sees as un, like unsavory and shameful and, and worthy of rejection is actually the very thing that God will use to bring redemption to the world. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from his sins. It was the ability of Joseph in this moment to receive, to receive by faith the message from the angel that what he saw as as producing only shame and rejection in his life was actually going to be the very thing that God uses to produce redemption in the hearts and lives of others. 
like to spend some uh, I'd like to spend some time time in prayer here before we close for this morning. The next few weeks here, we didn't talk about this this morning, but we'll I do want to give you like a little bit of a, a heads up on what's coming up in the next few weeks. Next week we'll talk. I'm going to be talking about. Um, the fear of being of of insignificance. Be lighting our next um, be lighting our next Advent candle, and then uh, next week here in during service we'll have our kids' little Christmas song up here at the end of service, and have an uh, also an opportunity for you to do something tangible in the expression of like the surrender of the things that we are afraid of to the to the feet of Jesus during the season. And then also, um, because it's coming uh, sooner rather than later, um, Christmas Eve is coming, and so uh, we do we, we do have a Christmas Eve service here at the church. It'll be at seven p.m. on obviously Christmas Eve night. Uh, we will have childcare only for kids in the purple room. Okay, so if your kids are currently in the purple room, we will have childcare for that age uh, that age group. The rest of you, like I encourage you to have your kids here and worship with us. It will be a candlelight service, um, and is, is always a powerful time of worship and reflection for us here at the church. So, um, let me, uh, as the band comes up, let me spend so let me close this in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for the work of your Spirit in our hearts. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would speak to us the truth of your word, Lord, even in the midst of distraction, in the midst of white noise, in the midst of loud noise. Heavenly Father, we oftentimes walk around holding a whole pile of fear. Fear of being alone. The fear of being rejected by those that we love. The fear of being rejected by those that we don't even know, but that can see our lives if even from a distance. Lord, in moments where we express or we are feeling fear, Father, may our eyes be turned to you. Trusting, Lord, in your presence, trusting in your power, trusting in your provision for us. Heavenly Father, where where the enemy would seek to divide us, Lord, Father, I pray that you would shore up and solidify our defense against that, which is our unity and our faith in Jesus Christ above all else. Lord, may you be glorified in all that we do.
May you be glorified in our midst. May you be glorified in our families, Lord. May you be glorified in our homes. May you be glorified in the decisions that we make and the conversations and relationships that we have. We trust you, Jesus. In a world where it's difficult to know what to trust or who to trust or how to trust, Father, we trust you. Speak to us, Lord. Give us your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.